plain illustration, uh, plain instruction uh, to couples. So turn to 1 Peter 3, verse 7. And before we read that, guys, what day is Tuesday? Valentine's Day, all right? Albert, this is not your day. This is your wife's day. This is Vicky's day. And so, guys, don't forget that. If you don't take any other notes, now you ought to be ready to take some notes this morning uh, because you're going to need that. Maybe a little piece of paper, maybe on the bulletin somewhere, something like that. But, um, yeah, Tuesday is Valentine's Day, and so that's worth the price of the ticket you paid right there if you just don't forget that. <clears throat> I have been struggling recently uh, with some illness, and, uh, but I've got good news from the doctor. I, I think I'm actually going to live... But I really ask your forgiveness, I tell you. Um, I'd get going and think I was going to do good, and then I'd, Tony'd come by the office and say, you're supposed to be home, what are you doing here? And then he'd come back to our office a couple hours later and say, well, you're supposed to be home, what are you doing here? But I really haven't gotten to a lot of things. Some of you I probably owe a call back or a call for on your behalf or something, and I apologize. Uh, I'm just limited. I've just been limited with that, with what I can do. But I'm, I'm getting a lot better, I really am. I've been on antibiotics for over two weeks, two different kinds, because the first one didn't knock it out. My doctor put me on a, a different type of antibiotic. That's the case sometimes, isn't it? You go through one battery and it doesn't really get it all, and so they put you on something different. Now, he told me, when he gave me the stronger antibiotic, he, gave, he told me, but I didn't listen to him. I mean, what does a doctor know, right? He told me with this particular medication that I, I couldn't be out in direct sunlight, uh, that it caused me some challenges. And so yesterday, I was piddling around a little bit in the shade and messing around and feeling good. Wanted to get out and get some fresh air. It was so incredibly beautiful. And I was just longing for some fresh air because I really had tried to stay in the bed some. And so I figured that Kim and I would just go put the top down on the Mustang, go for a little ride, get some fresh air. About 10 minutes into that ride, I'm not kidding you. About 10 minutes into that ride, I started feeling hot. I mean, just like sunburned hot. Just like I'd been on the beach all day. And I thought, ah, it's nothing. You know, I should turn around and go get a hat. And I thought, no, I ain't going to do that. And then I went uh, a few more miles, five more minutes or so. And I thought, man, I'm getting cooked. And I looked up into the mirror, and I just went, ah! You know, I mean, it was like my face. We were going right into the sun. It looked like George Hamilton was looking right back at me. You remember that guy? <laughs> now, I went, I, I borrowed, so I did two things. First, I borrowed my wife's hat. Because <laughs> she wasn't on the meds, right? And, and uh, it was a pink hat, a pink Mustang hat. But not having any problems with my masculinity, I just put it on. Actually, I just wanted to ride around with the top down a little bit. That wasn't working. So eventually, I put the top up, and eventually, I just went home. But I read the warning label from the expert on the medicine, and I quote, This medication may cause your skin to be more sensitive to sunlight than it is normally. Uh-huh. <laughs> Exposure to sunlight, even for brief periods of time, may cause a severe sunburn. I'm learning a lot through this experience. <laughs> One of the things that I'm learning is you got to listen to the experts. There's a reason that your doctor is a doctor and you're not. 
you got to listen to the expert's advice. You can have all the, best ex, all the best advice, even expert advice, but if you don't listen to it, listen to me, you're going to get burned. And you're going to get red-faced in life. So let's listen to this expert advice from the greatest expert ever. We know that God inspired all Scripture. He moved and empowered. This is not just Peter talking. This is God. Literally, Scripture claims this, that this is God kind of guiding him and, and leading him. So it's really expert advice from the expert of all experts. First, Peter, chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, because he's just spoken to the wives. Now, that's our text for next week, verses 1 through 6. Don't go sneaking and reading them now. Make sure you get your wife here next, <laughs> next week or your girlfriend. But guys, here it is for us. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, that is your wives. And that word dwell, may I just say this for a moment, is a deep word. Abide, probably some of your translations have it. It's not talking about living, it's not talking about proximity, it's more talking about time and involvement. It's a, it's a, it means a lot of time. Dwell with them. Now how? With understanding or according to knowledge. So we're on this. You have to dwell with a woman. You have to understand them. <laughs> I know what some of you are thinking right now. Don't even say it. Giving honor. What does it mean to honor something? It means to give reverence to or to place value on. Let's put it that way. To place value on someone. To honor them. To give honor to them as the weaker vessel. This isn't talking about mentally or anything like that. It's just talking about the roles in marriage. And being heirs together, joint heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. And, uh, you know, one of the goals of marriage is this. It is to be completely known by someone and still loved. To be completely known and yet still loved. And uh, so Peter, God inspiring him, says this. Now God tells him that one of the keys, guys, to dwelling, we're in this series called Fixer Upper, and one of the keys is that we're to dwell with our wives, spend a lot of time with them, with understanding, honoring them. Honoring them. Now, guys, I want to help you, but I can only help you if you listen. If you don't obey the instructions, it will not work. And as I said, next week, the message is to the wives. So, guys, make sure you get them here. But let me talk to us today, guys. God has told us time and time and time again in the Bible that he made man and he made uh, a woman in his image. He created the, us in his image, but he made the man and the woman unique. He made us very different. I am what is called a complementarian when it comes to the, to the roles of gender, that, that the man complements the woman and the woman complements the man, and we complete one another. The differences, God says, are not accidental. They are very, very intentional. And God wants men to be men, and God wants women to be women. 
And because he designed us that way. It's not bad, it's just how he designed us. It's actually very good. And so he, the ultimate expert, has told us, guys, in the Bible how to understand the needs of a woman. And so part of this instruction is given here in our text when the Apostle Peter says we're to dwell with them according to understanding. Now, one of the things that I've learned about guys is sometimes we have to have a picture. Well, all the time we have to have a picture to help us really know how to remember something. Typical guy. You remember years ago, John Gray wrote a famous book called uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. He wasn't a Christian, but he was very accurate in much of his assessment, in my opinion. I don't know if you ever heard of that book, but it sold, listen to this, think of the number, now don't let me say it too quick, 50 million copies. How'd you like to write a book that would sell 1 million copies? 2 million, but 50 million copies. And uh, one evaluator said it was, quote, the highest ranked work of nonfiction of the 90s. It spent 121 weeks on the bestseller list. It's amazing, phenomenal. Now, most of us guys need something to help us remember important stuff. So I want to take that final word. If you think about men are from Mars, women are from what? Venus, that's right. Or should be where? But I made an acronym out of it, and I want you, you can write it down like this. If you just go down the side of your paper and write V-E-N-U-S. <laughs> like one guy I was talking to about this acronym Venus, he said, oh, that's easy. I know it, Pastor. I know it. I got it already memorized. V stands for Visa. Uh, e stands for American Express. N stands for Neiman Marcus. U stands for un Unlimited Credit. And S stands for Saks Fifth Avenue. <laughs> now, I noticed the lemon, women laughed a little harder at the first line there, but it settled down some, didn't it? Get on down the list. But listen, that's not what it stands for. Let's jump right into it. If you want to help, if you want to live with your wife according to understanding, let's jump right into the acrostic. And it's take the V, okay? So you, you think about the V. Now, that letter represents a major need that a woman has. These are not in order, by the way. It's just to help you remember. But verbal communication. Verbal communication. Now, men, I have some surprising news for you. Women, typically, the average woman, speaks a whole lot more than you do. <laughs> the average woman speaks about 25,000 words a day, right? About 25, average. Now, that's from the ones that really talk and the ones that don't talk. You average them out. About 25,000 words a day. Verbal communication. Words, not sounds, guys. <laughs> average man, you know how much? 12,500. So you go out during the day, and you've already gassed out at 12,500. She's probably got more than your daily allotment left when you come in the front door. So just understand this. Now, now, that's the way God has created us. Women are far more relational, far more, uh, you know, conversational. They're into relationships much, much more than we are. What this tells us, guys, I know this is hard. This will get your blood pressure up, but here's what it is. If you want to understand your wife, we've all, and, and listen, as I've prepared these messages, I'm going, oh, my gosh, I haven't taught this in years, and I need to be doing this better. But here it is. 
we need to listen. We need to learn to not just listen, but really listen. To listen a lot better. And to listen with interest. And then, ladies, you have to understand that, that this is an incredibly difficult one for us. When you start telling us a story, and we're trying to hear, and we're saying, you know, okay, tell me what's going on. We can tell you're upset. You know, what's going on? Nothing. You know, well, no, it's got to be something. What's going on? And, you know, you're just offended that he even has to ask, right? Because, like, he should know this. And you say, well, it's just that so-and-so at work today did such and such. And, uh, ladies, you've got to understand, it's very difficult for a man to listen at that point. You know why? Because men are very, basically very solution-oriented. Like, you start telling us the problem about a sentence and a half in, Bill. You're looking at Sherry going, oh, wait, hold on, stop now. Here's your problem. Here's your solution. Just do it. You know, if you tell old Jim up there at work, get back on his desk and leave you alone. And, and we're solution-oriented. I mean, guys, let me just tell you. Let me ask you this. Be honest with me. Let's talk back and forth a little bit. Your wife ever start telling you, your girlfriend ever start telling you a story, something like that? And about four or five sentences in, or words, you're going, get to the point. Right? Is that right? Am I right? Isn't that right? Just get to the point. It don't have to be that many, does it? It's four or five words for some of us. I mean, you know, well, it's just like this was going on, and then she walked over here, and she did this, 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 and this. And, and you know, and, and, and now listen to me, guys. What she needs is not a solution. And that's why what we give them so many times is causes an argument or causes them to clam up. What she's crying for is to fulfill this need for verbal communication. She wants somebody to hear what she's going through, to hear her heart, not solve the problem. But ladies, that's hard for us. That's really hard. Honest to God, my blood pressure will start going up. I can feel antsy. I'm thinking, i got to get over here and do this, get to the end of that. You know, Does that ever happen to you sometimes? Or am I just the only, uh, am I an anomaly in here, guys? So men, we've got to learn to say three important words. Write them down. When the story's getting long, longer than you think it is, or should be, needs to be, here's what you should say. Because you love your wife. And this is one of the way. I'm not talking about just the emotion part of love. I'm talking about the action part of love. Because, see, love really is a verb in the Bible. It denotes action. So what you've got to say are these three words. Write them down. When everything in you is saying, get to the point, you don't say that. You say, tell me more. You don't do it like that. <laughs> Different variations of that. Something like this. Well, I can see how that, I can see that that's really got you bummed out. How'd that make you feel? What'd you do then? Tell me more. Now, she doesn't need a solution. Women aren't stupid. They know what needs to be done. They're, they're better at knowing what needs to be done sometimes than we are. But they want somebody just to listen, to have verbal communication. You know, they did a study, scientific study, of little boys and little girls years ago. They recorded their sounds as they played together, I think preschoolers. 
and they recorded them, put microphones on them and recorded them. You know, as throughout the course of a day, do you know that the microphones on the little girls and the microphones on the little boys, here's what they discovered. Out of the girls' mouths, 65% of the sound coming out of their mouths were actual words, conversations, conversation. You watch little girls. They play act. They, they're having sentences and conversation. And only the remainder, small percentage, was sounds. But the exact opposite happened on the boys. Same age, but 65% of the sounds coming out of their mouth were just noises. Mm, boom. Uh, ah, yeah, it's true, it's true. It's very true. This is just the way God has made us. This doesn't mean women are bad or men are bad or one's right or the other's on uh, is wrong. Listen, you just got to understand this. So there's times when I come in and I'm just tired and I just don't want to talk because I talk for a living. My 12,500 words gone a long time ago. And uh, she's still got more than that left. And my wife's not a real talker. But I need to listen. Because the Bible says that I am to respond to her the same way Jesus Christ responds to me. That when I need him, he listens. That when I need him, he talks. He says, tell me more. Talk to me. Let me hear your heart. And so just understand this. When you come home and she says, what would you do today? Now, unless you a whole lot of conflict there. She's not trying to figure out, you know, like, not trying to pin you down, like, where did you do today? Or she's not saying, you didn't do anything today, typically. That's man. You know, we come home and say, what did you do today? We just mean, you didn't do anything today. She didn't mean that. She, did, she didn't really want to know which appointments you had at what time. She didn't want you to say I had a counseling appointment at 8, had a staff meeting at 9. Then I had some calorie that I did at 12. No, 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 no. That's not what she wants to know at all. What she wants to know is how did the relationships in your day go? How did people treat you? Did you have a good day, a bad day, and why? Because she loves you. And she has a need for conversation. She's very relational. Now, the average woman needs about an hour of that a day. Doesn't all have to come from you. But a significant portion of it should. And i got to work on this. i really got to work on this. Bible says in Proverbs 16, 24, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, health to the bones. So that's the V. Now E, emotional support. Now we're talking about how to understand our counterparts, the ladies. Emotional support. We've got verbal communication. Next you've got emotional support. And women say, they say in studies after study after study that, that emotional Support is the cement, if you will, that holds the relationship together. In fact, one study said up to 85% of women said if they could never have physical intimacy again, if the emotional support was really there and really, really strong, that that'd be enough to keep the marriage together for them. Strong emotional support. Guys say, what do you mean emotional support? I mean, we don't know what that means, so let me explain it. Let's unpack it a little bit. Something we have to learn how to do, guys. You can learn how to emotionally support and be non-sexually affectionate to your wife and supportive to your girlfriend. You really can. It's a habit. And once you develop it, it can become a part of your nature. Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. Write this down. God says this. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter 
toward them, to love your wives. Now, here's what we have to understand as guys, we are trained to be overcomers. We are trained from, from day one to be conquerors and, and achievers. We went over and babysat our grandkids the other night. I was amazed how much rougher I was with my one-and-a-half-year-old grandson than I was with my almost three-year-old granddaughter. Just pushing him, just making him tough. Get up, come on, fight back, you know, go. Gotta go, boy. And so we're not trained, guys. We're trained to be conquerors and achievers. We're not trained to be feelers, sensitive, conversationalists. So we have to retrain ourselves, and you can learn to do it. Now, don't miss this one. I know some of you are going to check out on me, but listen. Today, when you go home, guys, I want you somewhere in this day to pop up the big question. I mean, the big question to your wife. Write this down. Here it is. Here's the big question. Here's the big question. Are you satisfied with the emotional support? Now, write it down. Are you satisfied with the emotional support that I'm giving you? Are you satisfied with the emotional support that I'm giving you? Now, when she gets up off the floor... <laughs> Ask her this question. How could I better express my love to you and support you better emotionally? How could I better express my love to you and support you better emotionally? Now, she'll let you know. She'll let you know. Some of us guys, you know, some of you guys, you're big-time guys. You're, you're big, hulking, tough guys. And, and you're going, you're, now, Jack, wait a minute. Now you, you're trying to tell me that the Bible is telling me to be some kind of a soft man, a, a sensitive, kind of in touch with my feelings, you know, kind of empathetic guy. That's right. That's exactly what the Bible is saying. That's what God is commanding men to be toward our wives and toward our girlfriends. It is not saying be a woman. But it is saying, be a man who loves his woman enough to be a caring man. To get down off the male kick that we get on sometimes and just be honest about it. You don't have to do it in front of everybody. But to love her enough to come alongside and say, now, now let me ask you something. Are you really satisfied with the emotional support that I give you? How could I better support you in that? I preached the first message in this series. We got home. My wife said, you know, later during the day at a good time, she said, you know, you were asking today about things that, you know, would help us and relieve stress. And she told me something. And I got to work on that. I got to get together with her and lead her through that process and try to help with that. We got to work together on it. But we can do it. We can do it. Now, the end. But a lady needs, listen, regular emotional support for the marriage to be healthy. Now, the end. And Venus is this. It stands for nurturing spouse. Nurturing spouse. Women have to have that. Now, here's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about babying. Here's, listen. Now, I had to line it up with the, the word, but let me tell you what I'm talking about. Family commitment is what I mean by nurturing someone. What does it mean to nurture someone? It literally means to strengthen. That's what the word means, to strengthen. You take a little baby that is weak, and if left to their own devices, they'll die. That's it, period. What do you do? You nurture them. You care for them. You feed them. You, you do all kinds of stuff. You just strengthen them. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29. You can write it down. Ephesians 5, 29. So men ought to love their own wives as they love their own bodies. 
He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh. But now listen, what he says, but what do we do with our own flesh? We nourish it and we cherish it. That's the way we ought to love our wives, like we love our own selves. Nourish it, cherish it. Now, women want a man that doesn't leave all of his creativity and all of his leadership and all of his responsibility at the office and then comes home and turn into a big old couch potato in the lazy boy. Doesn't have any initiative, any commitment, any creativity toward the family. They want a man who takes that same creativity and interest that God has given him and then commits it to the family, who loves his children and spends time with the children and puts them as more important priority than anything else in his life, his wife and his kids. To never have a doubt that they would be first is a great need in the heart of a woman. They want us, guys, to schedule them in. As tacky as that can sound and as mechanical as that can sound, you ought to have an appointment on your calendar every day that you, at the end of your day, you say, I, I go home to my family. That's family time. I know some of you get frustrated with me at times. I know you get mad when you can't get me or you can't call me or something, but typically that's on a Friday or a Saturday or that's on an evening time. And that's because that's family time. And I guard it. And I do so without apology. I've seen so many pastors, so many pastors, who pastor and can preach well and have built great churches even, some of them. And some of them not so much, but they never spend any time with their family. If you look at their family life, it's a joke. But the Bible says that a man can't even, if a man can't, you know, manage his own household, neither can he manage the house of God. I'm no good to you if my home life's falling apart. I'm no good to you if my wife and I aren't crazy in love. I'm no good to you. And I'm no good to them. And so they got to have priority in our lives. I mean, some of the ways you can do this is just to write out a... I know it sounds hard, and I know it's tough for us, but write her a love letter. Tuck a card in their hand when you're leaving in the morning or something. I'm thinking about you. Schedule special times with them. Maybe shake up. You know, just say, I just like to spend time with you. A lot of different things you can do like that. To nourish, to cherish, to pour yourself into her and into your children and family if you have them. Now, the you. In Venus, I'm moving along here just so I can get to this conclusion. But it stands for ultimate purpose. Ultimate purpose. Now, I want you to listen to me. Now, listen to me. The average woman cares deeply about the people in her life. If she's anywhere near normal, and she wants to be connected with a man whose life and purpose transcends the temporary, the daily grind. They don't want to be connected with some comatose couch potato who snores and bores her to death. They want to be with somebody who has great love, great passion, or, or desires to help others, has a calling greater than sports or business or the Daytona 500. 
I mean, they want a spouse who genuinely, listen to me, if they're Christian women, who they want a spouse who genuinely loves Jesus Christ. Without a doubt, who has a real relationship with Him, who has a higher calling, and their ultimate purpose is to serve God. And, and, and listen to me now, and who is leading the family, not pushing the family, not driving the family. Men always want to say, well, you know, the Bible says that man's supposed to be the spiritual leader of the household. That's right. That's exactly right. And if you were to take that and dissect it a little bit, what you'd find out, it means that the man doesn't, it's not talking about in charge. You know what it's talking about? A man who is leading in spiritual things. For years and years, I got up every morning and had devotions with our children. Woke them up, got them up, said, get you a little something, come on in, let's get something to eat, and let's, let's sit down, let's have a devotion. We had some great stuff, Tony and I talked about it a while back, Josh McDowell stuff on right and wrong, how to know right from wrong. To this day, my kids are grown adults. They don't act like it all the time, but they are. But they can tell you about some of those devotions. Yeah, Dad, I remember that. That's your job, Dad. That's your job. That's my job. That's what it means to be the spiritual leader. It means to set a pace and, and to stay out in front of the family and guard the family and clear the way for the family and lead them in spiritual things. To lead your wife in spiritual things. Now, that's, that's a challenge for me with my wife because all I do is study the Bible for a living. You know, I mean, I preach for a living. So, like, when I get home, I don't want to have another Bible study. I'm just being honest. So I have to really, really work to talk about things like that sometimes at home. But the Bible says we shouldn't be a sluggard. You know what that means? Somebody who's just lazy. The Bible says that we're supposed to work. And we're supposed to see somebody and, you know, we're, we're supposed to lead our family. And they want us to lead. You know, I, I really think that the heart of a, of a good Christian woman who loves the Lord and who's thinking straight I think she would like nothing more. Now, ladies, please, amen this if this is true. And you understand, guys, they're not going to go, amen. It's not going to be a promise keepers rally thing, right? But just agree with me if I'm telling the truth. One of the things that a, a Christian lady would like to be able to say most about her husband, she'd like to be able to say this honestly, my husband genuinely is the godliest man I know. You hear that response? Now, buddy, that, that's saying something for ladies to get that loud. That really is. They love that. They crave that. The heart of a woman. And then finally, I'll close with this. Look at the S. A woman wants someone... I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this down, and I'm going to say it in a different way in which I developed it. She wants someone who can give her security. Now, I had written down financial security, but we misunderstand that. I'm not talking about major money. I'm not talking about riches. What I'm talking about is security. Uh, might be this. Might, might use this word, stability in the home. Stability in life. Something they can depend on. Now, listen to me. This is key. Even if it's less. Even if it's less. We all struggle with this, guys, because we have, what? Been taught to be what? Successful. And 
and conquerors and, and all that. So we're always wanting to make more, and we feel like that's a great measure of accomplishment. We're getting higher position and higher pay and all that stuff, and I understand that, but part of our challenge is that more important than reaching a level of monetary that where we got all this stuff is just some security. I realize everybody here is in a different place, but don't turn me off on this because, see, this is just what you need. You need the truth so you can work towards that, right? We don't want to be heading toward the wrong goal and working hard as we can, and then we get there and we say, well, you're still not happy. 1 Timothy 5, 8 says, if we don't provide for our own, that's a denial of the faith. That's worse than being an unbeliever. And so we're to, we have to, guys. This is a heavy weight on us, but we have to take responsibility for our wives and families. And that means being dependable, working hard, and, and, and willing to work, and, and having a dependable income. And like I said, the Bible talks about that. And, uh, you know... having been in ministry many years, there's something I've seen a number of times that just makes me, just makes me want my skin crawl every time I see it. I see families sometimes who have plenty of things, at least reasonably getting along. They're not really, really hurting. And at some point of the children's development, if they have children, the wife will come to this point, not always, but sometimes, and say, you know what, I just feel like nobody's going to raise my children like I could raise them. I'd like to just stay home with them while they're little. And then it becomes immediately a math problem, right, for us guys, because we're saying, well, how can we afford this, and how, you know, we can't afford that. I understand all that. I, listen, I understand all that. I totally understand it. I was in a tiny church. I wasn't making much money at all. And we just did what we could. But listen, nobody else can raise our children like mom raises the children. And it's not always possible that you can do that. It's not always possible. I was raised by a single mom, so it was not possible that mom could be with us all the time. I understand this. But if it's at all possible, men, we need to make it, if our wives desire that, And no wife has paid me off here. (laughs) We need to make that possible. I asked my wife one time, I said, you think think that daycares and things like that, or even if you had, we had people that helped us out, didn't we, when we were in Bible college. Remember Miss Mel would help keep Jonathan some during the day? Finally, when they got to go to elementary school, I tried to get her, we got, got it where she could stay home with them. But I tell you, it was tough. But I asked her, I said, do you think other people can raise your kids well as, you know, you can, as good as a parent? She said, whose children are they? So if they're not their children, they're not going to raise them as well as you could. Now, a lot of that's, I know the variables of parenting skills and history and all that. But I'm just saying the love and affection and care and the influence so if as much as is in me, now you hear I'm not scolding you, but as much as is in me, I just would encourage you guys to take the responsibility to adjust your lifestyle if your wife desires that and help make that happen. Because them to be secure at home, and it's not always about watching the kids, that's just one example, but 
but if, if, if I can do anything to help the home be stable, then I'm strengthening my home. Amen. And sometimes that might mean we have to work two jobs, or it might mean we have to what, do whatever, but, but we got to do it. we got to be dependable and help make the home financially secure. I'm not beating you up. You understand this. I'm not beating you up. I'm really not. I'm, I just want you to understand how important that is. Like if the home is upset, <laughs> Mama's always upset, right? And if mama ain't happy, what? Yeah. <laughs> Y'all knew that one well. Now, you just think about that. Venus, V-E-N-U-S, and I'm winding, I'm really wrapping up here. Men, I want you to rank these things. I'm going to read through them. Tell me which one you think is number one. Don't, ladies, don't you help them. <coughs> the number one need of a woman, the number two... Let me read through them. Which one do you think is the number one? Because they're not in order. Verbal communication, emotional support, nurturing spouse, ultimate purpose, or financial security. Which one do you think is number one? Let me tell you which one is. It's emotional support. The E. Who got that right? Guys, you're hitting it. All right. I'm not going to ask who got it wrong. All right, number two. Which one's the second? Think about it. It's verbal communication. And this can differ from person to person. You got that right? <coughs> I thought you put physical intimacy was number one. No, okay. Y'all know I really restrain myself since I come here, don't you? All right, number three. Now this one surprised me. The number three value, because you got emotional support, is number one. That's huge. Number two, verbal communication. Wow, boy, we got to work on that, don't we? Number three, this one surprised me, the financial security. The security in the home. That's just for the home to be secure. That's, wow, that's big. And number four, nurturing spouse. Not a babysitter, but pouring ourselves into them. And number five was the ultimate purpose. Ultimate purpose. Anybody get 100? Did you really? That's awesome. I'm going to leave you alone. <laughs> All right, now listen to me. I was very tempted, and I'm still tempted, to say you take these home today. Guys, think through them, read through them. I was very tempted to say there's no service tonight and you go work on this and you, I want you to ask your wife, have a 10, 20 minute conversation and just say, is that right? What do you agree with? Tell me a woman's heart. Tell me your heart. Because women are different too, right? I mean, they're not, you can't stereotype. That's the danger with this stuff. Would you take some time though this afternoon and do that? You just take a few minutes and do that. We'll have service tonight, but listen. Why y'all laughing? <laughs> I really said, I really start and say, you just go home. And listen, you can work on this whether you're married or not, because you may have to help a young couple with this. Come back and help your pastor with it and say, Pastor, you did good on this, but I think you didn't do so well on this one. Or you left that out. Instruct me. Help me to grow. 
We need the wisdom of the old. We need the passion of the young. And we need, we need to love and respect one another. Guys, look right here at me. Lead your family. This is what a leader does. I don't care who else says what. This is what the expert says. You do differently, you're going to get burned. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for such practical instruction from your word. It always amazes me on how the Bible just confirms these things and confirms these things and tells us how to live happily so that the gospel can go forth, so that lives can be changed, so that our marriages can be a miniature picture of our relationship with you. And Lord, we pray, I pray right now would be a changing day, a watershed moment for many of our marriages. And for many of us guys, as we try to struggle to understand and be better husbands and understand our wives, help us, Lord, please. Would you pray that right now, men, with me just silently where you are? Lord, help me to really try to understand, not just write my wife off. And ladies, would you pray that too? Help me to understand my husband, not just write him off. Help me to hear his heart. Lord, I pray that you'll work in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen.